0: folks, sometimes your faith is going to have to take other people to a place of faith. You've got to believe so much in your God that other people decide to give your God a chance. Will anyone decide
1: to give God a chance today because of your faith or mine? Those are thought-provoking words from Richard Blackaby as he shares about the influence that his father, Henry, had in so many lives. I'm Ken Powell, host of FCCI's Pathway to Purpose podcast. And when we planned out our podcast schedule for the month of February, of course we had no idea that God was going to call Henry Blackaby home. All of us here at FCCI are so thankful for the incredible legacy of Henry Blackaby. In this message from Richard Blackaby, he shares about the early days of Henry's ministry. Before he ever wrote Experiencing God, and a story about the empowering words of God and Henry's determination to communicate God's truth, not just speak his own words. Here's Richard.
0: 1 Peter 4.11, it says, If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever." Never. So I want to talk to you just this morning about empowered words. Uh, my father used to always say, people don't need your opinion, they need a word from God. Your opinion will not change anybody, but one word from God can change everything. And we live in an age in which, especially with social media, everybody has an opinion and everyone wants to express it all the time. We are, we are swamped with people's opinions and spin, and false promises, and outright deception. And as I watch children growing up in this age, where you get all your information from the internet, I just wonder how how can we protect the younger generation from being continually deceived and misled when everybody wants you to know what they think, what their opinion is. And we've grown up in that very same society And so it says, you notice in the beginning of that verse, if anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. Folks, if there was ever a day when we needed to be speaking words from God, it's now. Uh, But have you noticed that uh, people are just certain that you need to know what they think, (laughs) what their opinion is. And sometimes people can say things that, that have a certain ring, almost as if they're true. Uh, they're almost even profound. Have you ever heard the statement that sounded profound until you stopped and analyzed what they were actually saying? I suppose just most famously, one of the most uh, well-known people for that was Yogi Berra. Uh, You you know his quotes. He's the one who famously said, it ain't over till it's over. I I, I guess that's true, Uh, but it, it sounds Profound as long as you don't analyze it too much. He also said, If you don't know where you are going, you will end up somewhere else. That's profound. You have to kind of think about it. You might want to explain that one to the person sitting next to you. He said, If you can't imitate him, don't copy him. That's uh, wow. Thank you for telling me that. Uh, he also said, The future ain't what it used to be. <laughs> it's like a okay. Uh, He also said, you better cut the pizza into four pieces. I don't think I could eat six. Um, He also also said, nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. (laughs) You have to kind of wonder about that. Uh, He said, uh, if you come to a fork in the road, take it. Uh, I don't know what what you'd pay for a coach. He was giving you that kind of coaching uh, advice. Uh, He said, you can observe a lot by just watching. (laughs) Uh, Also famous, he said, a nickel ain't worth a dime anymore. Um, And then profoundly, baseball is 90% mental and the other half physical. (laughs) And uh, finally, he said, you should always go to other people's funerals. Otherwise, they won't come to yours. Uh, some things can sound profound until you stop and think about them for a moment. Uh, but what I want you to understand is God's, th- th- if I were to just, just mention three things that God's words do that are unlike ours. The first is that God's words set people free. John 8, 32, Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will do what? It will set you free. Folks, your words will not set anybody free. God's words will. Do you know anybody in bondage today? We need to make a practice of speaking words that set people free. Also, a second thing is God's words impart grace. Do you know anybody that needs grace these days? Ephesians 4:29 uh Paul said, don't let unwholesome words come out of your mouth that tear down, destroy, but speak words that that build up, that edify and that impart grace to the hearers. And I just thought what a wonderful invitation every day that we have to open our mouths and actually impart grace to people desperate for life, for being set free. And then a third thing I would just say is that God's words also impart blessing. Um, And I'll tell you what, as I look at the angry marches in society today down public squares, I see the angry rants on social media, I just feel like here are a bunch of people who've never been blessed they are acting like unblessed people. They're angry, they feel like they've been cheated, that no one cares, and so they're just going to keep shouting until someone takes them seriously. And then Peter says, but if you're a follower of Jesus, speak words that come from God. And when you do that, you will set people free, you will bless them, and, uh, and you will impart grace to them. And I, you know, I, as I as I shared yesterday, I've been thinking a lot about my parents as they kind of have come uh, near the end of their lives. And uh, one, one of the things that has struck me about my father, of course, he's written best-selling books that have been read by millions of people. He's preached in in stadiums with forty thousand people uh, there to hear him. And and I often have people tell me they appreciate his writing, his speaking. But I can tell you, the number one thing that people say to me, more than anything else, uh, is like this one man. He was, uh, when, he, when I met him, he was the head of a major denomination. And uh, he, before that, he'd been a pastor of several megachurches. He had a very distinguished uh, ministry and career for many years. And uh, I was speaking at a meeting where he was, and he came up to me afterward. And, he, and I, I just love this. Everywhere I go, I have people say this. He came up and he said, Richard. I have a story about your father. Uh, and I tell you what, what a, what a heritage that is for me. That everywhere, I can't go anywhere in the world without someone wanting to tell me how my father, God used my father to bless them. And he said, when I was in college, he said, I was running from God. I, I knew better. I just didn't want to, I, I was just in rebellion. I didn't want to get serious with God. He said, uh, and, and I was just running as far from God as I could. But he said, uh, the 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 church that I was a member of, that I'd grown up in, the, the college kids were all going to go on a ski retreat. And he said, I, I they were going to go first uh, and hear some speaking in a conference, and then they were going to go to a world-class ski resort. He said, I had no desire to go to the conference. I had no desire to be preached to. But he said, I, I really wanted to go skiing, and there was a particular girl going I really wanted to ski with. And he said, so uh, for the love of that girl... I was willing to endure a couple of sermons, get that behind me and get on to the fun stuff. He said, uh, and, and this was before my dad had ever written anything. Uh, my dad was just a speaker from Canada. In fact, when my dad first started doing a lot of speaking, it was actually to college students. And that's actually how Experiencing God came to be because everywhere he went with college students, what did they all wanna know? It was, how do I know God's will? How do I know what I should do with my life? Uh, and so he was, dad was gonna speak there. And so this guy said, I I listened to your dad. He said, I'd never heard of him before, didn't know anything about him. And it was interesting. He said, and quite frankly, he said, as your dad was preaching, my thought was, he said, I don't even know that I believe what that man is saying. But he said, I had no doubt whatsoever that he believed what he was saying. And folks, sometimes your faith is going to have to take other people to a place of faith. You've got to believe so much in your God that other people decide to give your God a chance, give him at least an opportunity. And and so this man said, I was just so confused after hearing your dad. He said, I just felt something inside me said, you should go talk to that man. But he said, I don't want to talk to the preacher. The last thing I intend to do is that. And so he said, and, and there was a line forming because it was lunchtime and, uh, and people were, a lot of people were heading to the cafeteria. But he said, a line was forming of people that wanted to talk to your dad. And so he said, I decided to get in the line. But he said, I got to the very end of the line. I figured the speaker's never going to take this long to talk to, to, to everybody in line. Their lunch is on. And he said, so anytime anyone came to get in line, I was, oh, you go ahead of me. Go ahead of me. And he, he said, uh, so he was the very last person in line. He led everybody else in front of him. He said, I thought that was smart, he said, because I thought for sure he'll never get to me. But he said he didn't, he didn't quit. He said at one point, handlers came and were trying to take him away to lunch, and my, dad, uh, my, my dad's comment often was, uh, well, how do I know if my divine appointment isn't the last person in line today? He said, I would hate to miss my divine appointment. Now, this man in line didn't know that that was my dad's attitude. So, he, uh, so finally, he said, the problem with my strategy was, that because I was last in line, when I got up to your dad, there was no one else in that 4,000-seat auditorium except me and your dad. And I'll never forget, as he's remembering, this is a man now leading a major denomination, 1,000-plus churches. All of a sudden, as he's remembering back to his college days, his days of rebellion, he he got kind of emotional, he stopped. And then he's trying to think of how to explain what happened next. And Finally, he looked at me and he said, Richard, the next 10 minutes changed my life. And he said, anyone who ever asked me, how have you done what you've done? How have you been a pastor and, and been used so mightily of God? And how do you lead a 1,000 plus churches today? He always says, it all began with a 10-minute conversation with Henry Blackaby. And I thought, and I've had, so, you know, what's interesting is he never did tell me what my dad preached, never told me the sermon. Uh, never told me of a book he read of my dad. He said it was a 10-minute conversation. And he said, in the next 10 minutes, I just felt like I was the most important person in your dad's world. He gave me all of his attention and uh, spoke words that weren't his words, that weren't my dad's opinions. They were words of God, and it changed his life. And, uh, and so many times what people will tell me is it was the conversation they had with my dad afterward. It was a the conversation they had while he, they were driving him to the airport that changed their life. And you know what I understand? Not all of us will get on a platform and preach sermons. We won't all write books, but folks, we can all have conversations. We can all talk to people. And how many minutes does it take when you are sharing a word from God until someone's life is transformed and changed? Uh, how, many, how many words of grace do you have to share before things start happening in other people's lives? But but what what has intrigued me of late is God looks out over American society. And can you imagine what must go through God's heart and mind as he sees Americans absolutely deceived? I mean, believing lies. Their whole life is chasing a lie. And they're, they're completely forfeiting their future. They're destroying relationships. They're destroying their own bodies at times. They're ruining their futures because they believe lies. Do you, do you not think that as Almighty God watches America being deceived, that He desperately wants them to know the truth? And I can only imagine God frantically looking around to find, do I have a servant anywhere in the premises that I can go and send to give my words to that poor, deceived individual. But I'll tell you what, a lot of times what happens is you have some deceived person maybe wandering into church on Sunday, but instead of hearing the saints sharing words from God, they're hearing the saints sharing their opinions about politics. Or there are saints arguing over whose college football team is better. Now, I'm not saying you never talk about politics or sports, but, folks, I'm going to tell you something. Your conversations about sports will never set anybody free. Your opinions about economics will never set anybody free. It will never impart grace. And I grieve over the fact that too many times I've wanted to tell people my opinion and what they desperately needed was a word from God. But you can't give to others what you don't have yourself. So if you've not been taking in the truth of God yourself, you can't share the truth of God to others. And uh, I'll tell you, I just as I look back, God does not try to put you on a guilt trip. God's not going to make you feel guilty about every frivolous, meaningless conversation you've had in the past. But what God does do is invite you today to say, I happen to know the people you're going to bump into today who desperately need a word from God. And if you'll be open... I'll help you to know what to say, and I'll know. I'll help you know who to say it to. Uh, I, I remember uh, years ago, uh, my my son Mike is here. He'll be sharing a bit later this morning. He actually came one summer in, when we lived in Greenville, South Carolina, and he helped start a, a new church in Greenville. And there was a young pastor that he worked with, innovative, creative kind of guy. Uh, they did some really interesting things in the community. And, and so because our son had helped start this church, my wife and I and our other two kids, we decided to go to that church plant. We, we'd been going to First Baptist in town, uh, but we decided to come over to this church plant and met in a YMCA building. Uh, you know, the, the, the First Baptist was a very nice uh, building and facility and nice people, but we're meeting in Hawaii, in we're setting everything up. And the pastor was a, a nice guy, young guy, but it wasn't what the church like I was used to. He he wore kind of tattered jeans. I, I thought we should take up an offering to get our pastor jeans that you know didn't have holes in them. But apparently that's what you do. And 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 the, the music was pretty loud. And at times the pastor would say he he, he needed a, a bit of a filter at times. Some of his illustrations were just. Like, really were probably should have been, you know, rated adults. I think some of his illustrated, like, I'm not, there's children listening to this. He, he, he was just a good person, but not necessarily the pastor I just would have chosen for myself. Uh, but you know what? I just felt like I, we should encourage this guy. And so, um, and he was doing some really good things and he felt a little intimidated because, he knew that I traveled around and spoke all the time and wrote books. And here, I, when I was in town, here I was in the audience to to hear him preach. And so he'd ask me to mentor him. And I'm trying to walk with him, encourage him. And I'll never forget one Easter, they that church did an interesting thing. They, they'd they gone to the community and said, hey, we, we'd like to be a blessing to the community. And what can we do to help? And they said, well, we used to do an Easter egg hunt for the community, but uh, because of uh, lower taxes and so on revenues, we had to stop doing that. And so this little church running less than 100, they said, uh, well, we'll do that. We'll, we'll, we'll provide that for the community. And so the day, Saturday before Easter, they had filled up uh, a, a fields with, with Easter eggs and candies, and uh, they got my, my, my son, my two sons to play in a kind of a rock band playing Christian rock, or not Christian, just rock classics. In a pavilion, and they had all kinds of vendors. It was a great event. Well, they got like 8,000 people came that one year. 8,000 people to a church running less than 100 is ministering to 8,000 people from the community. It was awesome. And then Sunday morning came around, and I remember uh, the pastor, he did a, a very creative kind of sermon that day. And I mean, I've heard lots of sermons uh, in my life, I preached lots of sermons. But I was really intrigued by what the guy did. It was very creative, very thoughtful. In fact, I, I, I made a mental note. I, I, I need to tell that man what a good job he's done. And so after the service, I, I, I looked to see where he was. But, we, but of those 8,000 people at the park the day before, we had a lot of visitors the next day. And he's you know frantically trying to meet all these new people. And so I, I, I had enough sense, I just thought to myself, well, I can always tell him what a good job he did, but I need to get out, you know, I'm, I need to stay out of his way. He's trying to meet all the visitors. He doesn't need to talk to a church member now. He needs to be free to talk to visitors. I'll just, I'll tell him next time I see him what a good job he did. So I went home. But have you ever just felt like you just missed a divine opportunity? And I mean, it made perfect sense to me. When I was a pastor, I used to tell all my long-term members, don't be the first person to come after me as soon as the service is over. All the visitors are the first people leaving the building. Just leave me to them first. I'll, I'll stay around. So I, that's that was my philosophy. It made sense to me. But as I go home, I'm just thinking, but I just felt like God wanted me to say something to that man. And so I get home and we're getting the Easter food ready. And I, I actually felt so guilty. I thought, well, I'll just send him an email. So I went into my office, I just said, "Hey, Jay, I want to tell you this morning, as I was listening to you preach, I said, "You were masterful. I, I, I've just never heard a sermon on Easter. It's so creative, so engaging." I, and, and, and so that was fine. And then I, I just felt led to say something to him I had never said to any person before. I said, "Listen, Jay, as I watched you preach this morning." If I'd been your own father, I could not have been more proud of you today. Watching you just sharing the word of God so clearly and so powerfully. I just was like a proud father this morning. And I'm ne- I've said that to my kids, my own kids. Never said that to anybody else. I felt like a father to them, you know, but now I'm getting old enough. I'm starting to feel like a grandfather to people. But I, I said that that morning. And then I went and had my Easter dinner. Well, I came back later to check my emails, and there was a reply from Jay. And the subject was, wow. And I thought, what is that? So I I, I read his message. He said, I can't believe what you sent me. He said, "Uh, today, he said, my father came to my church for the first time. He said, my father is not a Christian. He said, my father was in the park and saw 8,000 people we were ministering to today was the highest attendance we've ever had in our church. My dad got to see it. And he said, after the service was over, my dad helped us gather the chairs together and and load things back up in the trailer. And finally, said, we're about to go for lunch. And he said, my dad turned to me just as we're about to leave the auditorium. And he said, son, one thing I just can't figure out. I said, what is it, dad? He said, I just can't figure out why you're wasting your life doing something like this. And he, he, said, he said, his dad got in his car, the pastor got in his car with his wife, just shaking. And he said, I looked at my wife and I said, I guess even when a man is 35 years old, he'd just like to know that his dad is proud of him. And he said, I guess as long as I'm in ministry, I'm never going to hear that from my dad. And he said, "About the he said I barely had those words out of my mouth when another email came in on my phone. And he said, it was from you. And he said, how proud you were. And then you said the words, I felt like your father that morning. I couldn't have been prouder than if I was your own dad, standing there saying, well done. And he said, you'll never know how important it was to me in that moment to hear from you. Folks, I'll tell you what, in that moment, I realized that was God desperately knowing. Here's a young man who's going to be devastated this morning, and he doesn't need someone's opinion about who the best football team is today. He needs someone who has a word from God to say, listen, this is what God has to say to you. you you've been torn down by this world, but God's going to build you up. You've been, you've been spoken ugly words, but God has words of grace and I, I just I just had to pray and say god let me be that servant whenever you need those words spoken god protect me from just giving someone's my opinion instead of a word from you my words will never set anybody free God's words can change a life forever so even as we go out today folks may you be the kind of people who speak words that come from God and everywhere you go may you leave a a, a trail of people in your wake so grateful that they got to hear words that you spoke because they know where they came from.
1: You don't have to be around FCCI for long to become aware that we've attempted to incorporate much of the wisdom Henry Blackaby gained from his lifetime journey with God. We are committed to pursuing God's agenda to see where God is working in our own personal lives, our businesses, and join God in that work. We make every effort to keep God's word at the forefront in our group meetings, training events, and our conferences. You can always learn more about FCCI events, business leadership groups, training resources. They're all on our website. That's FCCI.org. Thanks for listening, and may God empower your journey as you lead a company for Christ.